Great. Uh, I'm going to read from the Bible this morning, and this is the part of our Sunday gathering where we do that, and then allow it to speak to our hearts. I'm going to read from 1 Kings chapter 17, um, and uh, starting from verse 8. There it is, it's on the screen, and we're going to pray, and then we're going to ask God just to speak to our hearts, whether you have heard the Word of God before or not. Uh, it's always a good practice just to lean in, to give God your undivided attention and focus and just open your heart to say, God, I want you to speak to me today and uh, that will be that will be a good thing for you to do. Also, I just, as I was praying and preparing for today, I felt more than teaching and unpacking some things in the Bible, I really felt that um, I needed to kind of declare some prophetic statements um, over us, over us as a community. And uh, the reason sometimes God's Spirit leads us that way is that everything about your, about your future is created, first of all, by God speaking. And so the purpose of God's Word is not always just communication. The purpose of God's Word sometimes is creation. And so when these things are spoken to you, um, it'll be good for you to receive it in faith. The Bible says that sometimes when our faith is not united with the words that come, then it does us no good. So we have to receive what God's saying to us. And so if there is something that is said today and you think, man, that hit, uh, hit a nerve, that sounds like me, that's a promise for me. I felt a bit of fear relieved. Uh, Leave, or I felt a bit of I felt a bit of relief. I felt like lighter. Whatever it is that you feel, make sure you unite your faith. And one of the ways to unite your faith is by saying it out loud, because that's the way our whole salvation, our the whole the whole process by which we became children of God. The Bible says, if we believe in our heart that Jesus died, and if we confess with our mouth that he is raised from the dead, then we will be saved. That means the way faith works is that we begin to confess what God is doing on the inside. And so many people think, well, when you preach here, and because it's a Pentecostal church, or that's the style of church, when you hear people saying, yes, amen, or you kind of interact with the Word of God, um, and people think that's a style. It's not because it's a style. It's actually releasing faith. Um, it's You have to release faith whenever the word is. So when you're saying something, when you're hearing something, we might just practice a few things today where we speak back, we say amen to it, or we just uh, just take a moment to worship God or respond to it. Because today I believe it's not just about communication, but it's also about creating something in your life. Is that okay? If you're up for it, I believe God will do something in your life. This is what it says in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So Elijah rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear, go and do as you have said, 
But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the flour, the jar of flour shall not be spent. And the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And so she went and did as Elijah said. She and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Now, if you're believing that God is going to create something good in your life, you don't have to be afraid when God does something in your life because he's a good God. So you don't have to be on the edge going, gosh, I don't know what I'm signing myself up for, you know. What if it's not good? God is a good God. It's not just that God is good. He is only good. There is no evil in him. He doesn't think evil. He doesn't act in an evil way. He doesn't speak evil. So if you believe God is going to do something creatively good in your life. Why don't you lift your hands and pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that you will create something good in our life. We are ready to receive your word. So speak to us. We're ready to receive what you're about to create in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. As a Christian, the number one thing I have struggled with in the recent past in my life is when I'm not actually sure what God is up to. I love it when he's clear about his instruction, what he's going to do, when he's going to do it, how he's going to do it, who he's going to do it with, and that's great because the plan is clear, it's in front of you, and you think, this is amazing, I am so grateful that God is working, he is for me, he's in my corner, and this is amazing. But there are seasons and moments in your life where God's up to something and you have actually no clue, you have no idea what he's doing. You have no idea what he's up to. You have no idea when he's going to do it, what he's going to do, who's going to do it with, when your breakthrough will come, and what what is the point of this whole season. We read this in verse 8, that God spoke to Elijah, a man, a prophet, and said, Elijah, if we have that verse, go now to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and live there. I want you to read that next phrase with me. One, two, three. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So what happens next? Verse 10, so Elijah went to Zarephath and he came to the gate of the city. And there a widow was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going, he said, can you bring me some bread in your hand as well? Verse 12. The widow says, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I'm now gathering a couple of sticks that may go in and prepare it for myself and my son and we that we may eat it and die. Paul, if you can come up on the stage and just stand there. Imagine Paul is Elijah. Elijah probably had a beard, I think. (laughs) So maybe he looked like this. Maybe not quite in t-shirt and jeans, but I think... The beard suits your character. So this is Elijah. God says to Elijah, listen, I have commanded a widow to feed you. You, All you need to do is go to Zarephath. When you get to Zarephath, you will find a widow there and she will be ready to feed you. By the way, just to give you a bit of context, there has been no rain in the land for many years. There is no food. Food is, um, there's no food. There's no water. It is absolute famine Elijah gets this word, God is going to command a widow to feed me. He comes to this town called Zarephath, and if I was Elijah, I'd be thinking there'd be a woman in Zarephath with a placard, and the placard says, Elijah, hey, you must be Elijah, we've been expecting you. 
Thanks for coming. God told me that I'm meant to feed you. Elijah gets to the woman and the woman says, I've got no food. Actually, I'm about to die. My son's going to die too. What on earth is going on? I thought God said, did God say that or not? I have commanded a widow, past tense. I have commanded a widow to feed you. Elijah gets there and I, if I was Elijah, I would be expecting her with a placard like they do in airports where taxi drivers wait for somebody to pick them up. Big bold letters, Elijah, I'm the widow, come this way. Elijah gets there and and he meets somebody that's suicidal. Says, I'm going to die. That doesn't sound like the promise of God. That doesn't sound like the provision of God. Because sometimes I love it when God's clear, hey, this is how it's going to happen. This is when it's going to happen. This is when the meals are going to come. This is how it's going to be laid out. And and it it all works out fine. But, But what do you do when you're the woman? God obviously has a plan that he's working out. The only problem is you have no clue what's going on. What do you do when God is good but you're clueless? Anybody else? It's just me. Thanks, Elijah. You can take your seat. Clueless. You're just going. God obviously in his world is aware that he has this plan. I have commanded this widow to feed you. The only problem is the widow is clueless. She has no idea God has this master plan for her to be fed and her to be used to feed Elijah. And, and, and the woman is like, we, have not, no, we haven't had food in days. In fact, one of the things that <clears throat> if you read between the lines in the story, you realize not only is there a shortage of food and water, there's a shortage of firewood. Okay, back in the day, you didn't cook on induction heaters and gas cookers. You cooked by burning firewood. And the Bible says these two people met at the edge of the city. They met, if you go back to verse 9 onwards, you'll find where they met. They didn't meet near the house. Elijah comes and goes to Zarephath. Behold, I've commanded a widow to feed you, verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and he came to the gate of the city. So he, she was at the, the very peripheral part of the city. Back in the day, every city had a gate. They were walled communities, so you had to kind of get everything within your city. So she was right at the gate of the city saying, I'm just gathering a couple of sticks and I'm going to cook a meal for my son and myself and then we're going to die. What do you do when God has this plan but you have no idea what's happening, you have no idea what he's doing, you have no idea and you're like, man, God, if God, if you could just give me a word. You see, this woman was in the center of the will of God, but she had no idea. This woman was being set up for a ministry to serve prophets, but she had no idea. This woman was in the center of the distribution center of God's goodness, but she had no idea. A food bank ministry was going to be run from her kitchen. She had no idea. This was not going to be her last meal. She had no idea. This was a woman whose whose story would enter into the Bible. 
And thousands of years later in a town called Bury St. Edmunds, people would read about her. She had no idea. People all over the world, from the east to the west, not to the south, 200 countries and territories globally where the Bible is read, people read about her story. She was actually going to be a global figure where for hundreds and thousands of years, people will draw faith from her story. She was that woman. The problem is she had no idea. What do you do when you are in the center of the will of God? But it doesn't feel like the will of God. What do you do when you're in the center of the provision of God? But it doesn't feel like the provision of God. What do you do when God is up to something? But you haven't got the memo yet. You have no idea what he's doing. It's great when it's clear. It's great when it's, it's all laid out for you. But, um, but you have no idea. I remember my earliest years of being mentored in the ministry... It was a bit like that, going around with my mentors, because you just didn't know what was coming. I, we were young, and, and we loved Jesus, and, and our mentors would go, right, you're preaching, and there'd be like five-minute notice. We'd just be like, well, if you knew you were going to do this, why didn't you just tell me yesterday? But it was like that. We'd just get dropped into these scenarios, because we will then later figure out that there was this grand plan. It's just that we were not, we were not in on it. You see, when you are not on the receiving end of revelation, you're in the middle of this grand plan of God, but all you can see is your food supply going lower and lower and lower and lower till all you have left in your house is a tiny bit of oil and a tiny bit of flour. You come to the conclusion, I'm going to die. That doesn't sound like a woman of faith, does it? That doesn't sound like a woman of vision, does it? That doesn't sound like a woman who is confident that her best days are ahead of her. Actually, the only thing she's looking forward to is death. You see, when God is up to something, but you're not completely sure or aware what he's up to, you come to this place where you're just gathering a couple of sticks. You're just just looking forward to death. There is... There is nothing in your life that you, you think it, it, you know, it is worth living for. I want to say to you, sometimes God works clearly in front of you. Sometimes he works behind the scenes. And when he's doing things clearly in front of you, it's an exciting season. Your hallelujah is loud. Your prayers are bold. Your praise is loud. Everything is great. But when you are in the middle of the plan of God and you have no idea where your life is heading... It can get a bit depressing and your faith can feel like it's oozing. Now, as I said at the beginning of this meeting or beginning of my talk, I believe one of the things God wants to do today is not so much communicate but create. So here is the first creative prophecy I'm going to release. Some of you are about to step into a miracle you have no idea about. Some of you are about to enter a breakthrough you are not praying about. Some of you are about to enter a miracle you have had no faith about. Some of you are about to receive 
the impartation of God. You were just hoping for death, but God had other plans. I want to say to you, sometimes when God is in the middle and in the business of blessing people, he will not always explain it and make it clear to you. And you may look at your life right now and say, I have no idea. I have no clue. The budget doesn't match up. The budget doesn't add up. The plan doesn't add up. I look at my calendar. There is nothing to look forward to. I want to say to you today, if you have faith to join your faith with what I am about to say, release your faith right now. Some of you are about to step into a miracle that you have no faith for. You have no expectation for. You haven't even prayed for it. And you are about to see that God will do something in your life. He'll do something in your life. It's one of those moments where you think, is that what you were doing? All I was thinking about was going to get some, some wood, some firewood. And, 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 and I've been so hurt. I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been giving. I've been sowing. I've been, I've been, I've been, I've been declaring. I've been confessing. I've been journaling. I've had hands laid on me, feet laid on me. I've had everything done. But nothing has worked and nothing has changed and nothing has happened. But there is something in the dealings of God called timing. Timing. In in the Greek, there are two words for the word time. You have the word chronos, which is time. Time, just like you've got time on your watch. And the Bible says, as long as earth remains, there shall be summer and winter springtime and harvest that means time just passes we go we passed 2021 and and now we're in 2022 that's chronos but in in the bible there's the greek word called kairos and kairos is also time but it's more got to do with timing the timing of god there's this verse in the bible that says at the right time christ died for us what does that mean as if there's a wrong time was there a wrong time at the right time Christ died for us. I believe as Beacon Church, and we've been on this journey, and I've personally been on this journey with several prophetic voices who are speaking into the life of the church. Beacon Church, listen to this. If you are part of this community and this is your home church, you are about to enter the timing of God. It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with your faith. It doesn't have anything to do with your prayer life. It doesn't have anything to do with your expectation. On the contrary, your faith says you're about to die. On the contrary, you, have, you don't even have faith to pray for a buffet because when you look at your kitchen, all you can see is a bit of flour and a bit of oil. On the contrary, you don't even believe Believe that God can use you to bless somebody else. Because if you can't feed your own child in your bedroom, how on earth can you be a blessing to somebody else? But I'm here to announce to you, your time has come. And when the time of God has come, there is something that breaks through in your life that surprises you. And you realize, oh gosh, I had no, I, I had no idea. I had no idea. I couldn't even feed my little baby. I, how can I feed prophets? I couldn't even take care of my child. How can I take care of other people? I'm a useless mother. How can God use me? That is a lie from the devil. Your time has come. There is something that is creative that God is doing in our midst. He's up to something. He's up to something. He's up to something. So before we move on, 
The one thing we have to do in order to walk in our timing is to stop being stuck in the past. Joe, can you come and help me on the keys? Give me an E for me if you can. Stop being stuck in the past. Because you see, God is about to do something. He needs, he, 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 you are about to, to have this meeting. You, you and Elijah are about to have this meeting. But when God is about to release the the Kairos moment, uh, the Greek word for timing, in the middle of all of this, there's there's this timing of God where, where you encounter something of the miraculous. But if you are stuck in the past, I was hungry. I'd hoped my neighbors would help me. I can't believe they didn't. And God is saying, hey, come on. Now, now is the acceptable time. The, the time of God has come. Your, your time has come. Your time has come. Your time has come. But, but some of you are prisoners of time, so you can't enjoy the timing of God. Because God is releasing the now moment. Now is the time of salvation. The Bible says the acceptable time is now. But you're a prisoner of your past. I, I, can't, I can't believe I went to my neighbor's house for food. My, my, my child was, was unwell. But, but they didn't feed me. You see, if you are a prisoner to time, you can't enjoy the timing of God. And some of you are prisoners to time because you're saying, I prayed, why didn't God do anything? I fasted, why, why didn't it have... And God say, hey, your time has come, your time has come, your, your moment, this is the moment you've been waiting for. And, and they're prisoners of the past. You see, there's only two times, there's only two times in the whole Bible, there's only two times, just two times, when Jesus cried. Jesus, the Son of God, the Son of Man, cried. Only two times. One was when his friend Lazarus died. The second time when Jesus cried. Was he looked at the city called Jerusalem and he wept, he cried. The Bible says he wept. And he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, my desire, my plan was to hide you under my wings. But you missed the timing of God. You missed the timing of God. And he cried. Why? Because they were all praying for the Messiah to come. Say, please Lord, do something. Please Lord, do something. And Jesus is standing here going, your time has come. Your time has come. I'm here. I'm the Messiah. If anybody is thirsty, come to me. I will give you water. You will never have to thirst again. And people are going, oh, why are we under Roman slavery? Why is this happening to me? Why is Caesar imposing taxes on us? I can't believe that this guy called Zacchaeus came the other day, got some taxes. Now he wants more taxes. This is fraud. I don't like the government. I can't believe what the government has done. It's one rule for us. It's another rule for them and you are stuck with what the government is doing, what the government is not doing, what your past has done, what your present has done. But Jesus is screaming to you, your time has come. You have to heal and move on from your past if you have to enjoy what God is doing now. You have to. Because sometimes you can pray, you can fast, you can try, you can ask for counsel, you can go knock on your neighbor's door for food, but all you can hear are the cries of your baby in the bedroom saying, Mama, I need some milk, please help. And when you are surrounded by the cries of your own pain and the pain of your own family and nothing has happened, you can be a prisoner to your past. So here is my second prophetic decree. Today is the last day you will be a prisoner to your past. Today is 
the last day you will be a prisoner to your guilt. Today is the last day you will be stuck in the inadequacies of yesterday. Your time has come. Your time has come. Because you can trust all you want. You can trust all you want. But sometimes it's dark. When darkness seems to hide his face. Sometimes that's what it does. Darkness will hide his face. He's good, but you can't see it. It's so dark. I haven't eaten in days, but I believe God is a good God. This week has been difficult. You turn up at church and lift your hand. When darkness seems to hide his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. You see, even in all of the darkness, his, his grace never changes. His promise never changes. You can't see it. You can't see it, but it's there. You can't feel it, but it's there. He's, he's working things out for you. He's sending you a prophet. You're not just going to have one more meal. You're not going to die. You're going to feed many people. You're going to set up a ministry. You're going to find your story in the middle of the Bible. Hundreds and thousands of years from now, people will read about you and receive faith and receive encouragement. But you are staring death in the face and you're saying, where are you God? Where are you? If you know you need to hear from your past because you're stuck there, you're a prisoner of the past. Your time has come, but you, you're so broken. You're so broken because all you can hear is the cries of your baby. All you can hear is the wasted years. Where did all those years go? Why? Why did the famine happen? God, I thought you were good. I thought you had a plan, but I... Well, why? If you can never receive the timing of God if you're a prisoner to your past. Today I'm going to ask you to do something that's very bold. If you want to be healed from your past. No longer a prisoner of the past, but enjoying the timing of God. Today I believe God wants to heal you. Stand where you are. If you know this is for you, I will no longer be a prisoner of my past. But I will enjoy the timing of God. Why don't you sing this song as a prayer and God will heal you. Some of you are stuck in your past because people have abused you. Some of you are stuck in your past because the prayers didn't work. Some of you are stuck in your past because you were responsible for your own family and you could not provide. Some of you are stuck in the past because you knew you knew how God was going to do it. You were an expert in how the plan of God was going to work. But it didn't work the way you thought it was going to work. But the Bible says the acceptable time of the Lord is now. Today, if you hear the word of the Lord, do not harden your heart. You are not a prisoner of your past. Move on, move on, move on. The time is now. The time is now today I pray that every person that says I don't want to be a prisoner of my past whether it's abuse whether it's rejection whether it's debt whether it's divorce whether it's manipulation if you are a woman here a lady a girl and people have taken advantage of you improperly treated you treated you without the respect that you deserved today 
God sets you free. You are not a prisoner of your past. You are not what people has done to you. You are not your failure. You are not your wounds. You are not your scars. You are not your disappointment. You are not the unanswered prayers of your past. Your time has come and it is better than you can believe. It's better than you can imagine. It's better than what you have foreseen. God is here and he is saying your time has come. 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 I I said to you earlier that one of the best ways to do, one of the best ways to respond to the word of God is to respond in faith. And you know what? One of the best ways to demonstrate your faith is through the power of praise. If you know that you don't want to be spending another day as a prisoner to your past, why don't you release a shout of praise this morning? Release your faith this morning. You will never, another day of your life, be spent. Hey! Move on! Hey! Freedom from the past! Hey! Demons! That have caused us to stay stuck in our past. Enough! Come on, clap your hands and give God glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You may take your seats. The time of God. The kairos of God. The timing of God. This lady didn't go, I'm not going to believe you. You're going to tell me that by me making a cake for you, by me making bread for you, you're going to solve my food crisis. See, when you're stuck in your past, you can't respond to the instructions of today. Because you're, you're there. You're just there. Because the instructions of today sound bizarre. Elijah says to this woman, go make me a little bread Because this is the word of the Lord. Your flour will not be empty. And your oil will not be empty. Until the Lord sends rain. That is the most bizarre thing to say to somebody who is facing death. But she obeyed. She followed through on her instruction. Said okay fine. I love the Bible because it doesn't say that. Elijah didn't say to her, hey, go to your kitchen and and, and bring me the loaf of bread that you've already baked. He said, I want you to go and start baking. Now, I'm not a baker, but I know that it doesn't take five minutes. It takes a bit longer than that, doesn't it? Can you imagine being in the kitchen, taking the flour, a little bit of flour that she had left, a little bit of oil that she had left? And remember, I've got two kids, and I know that hungry kids cry. Okay, it's not... It's not in the Bible. But it would be a fair assumption, don't you think? If that was their last meal. How was she able to focus on obedience when everything in her world said, don't do it? What's the point? What's the point in tithing? I've tried it before. It hasn't worked. God says to him, will you trust me? Will you put me first? When you receive money, who do you honor first? Oh, it hasn't worked before. You see, pain causes you to not have the empowerment to obey. 
because your previous obedience didn't yield any results. But she has the supernatural ability, the focus to take the flour, to take the oil, to bake bread. Probably in those days, it's a clay oven. She's stuck it in. Now, if you were a mom, think, think about it. If you were a mom, tell me you would not be tempted to give that, that bit of bread to your child. I mean, this is a lot. You don't even know who this man is. They've never met. How did she have the capacity, the audacity to stick through and obey until the very end? Clearly, it was not faith. Clearly, she was going to die. I'll tell you what it was. Sometimes when God is doing something in your life and you don't even have, realistically speaking, you don't even have the capacity to obey. You're, you're even scared of hearing what God wants to say to you next because you're like, oh man, I just don't have the strength to obey. Somebody just carry me. Somebody just tell me where food is. Somebody just feed my baby or I'm going to die. But when the time of God comes, you begin to have the strength to do the impossible. And some of you are looking at the tasks ahead. You have to love a spouse that's unlovable. You have to love a child that's unlovable. You have to work with a boss that's not very respectful. You have to look at a future for which you have no idea how it's all going to pan out. You may not always have the energy to say, God, I know what the right thing to do is, but I just can't be bothered. I just can't be bothered. Listen, your breakthrough is in the obedience of your last instruction. Your breakthrough is in the obedience of your last instruction. And some of you just don't have the faith, the energy, the capacity, the gift to obey that instruction. But here's my third prophetic declaration. That which you do not have strength for, you will find supernatural strength to obey. That which you feel like, man, I can't do this. I can't do this. I cannot do this. I just can't do this. Might be easy for others, but for me, it is impossible. For I cannot go and bake bread while my baby is dying. I just can't do that. I'm sorry. I just can't do that. I just can't do that. I just can't forgive my dad. I just can't forgive my ex-husband. I just can't tithe. I just, I just can't do that. I just can't. How, how do I, how do I, how do I bring my first fruits to church first and just hope that everything else? Is, I, I just can't do it. Some of you are going to receive the strength, the gift, the courage to say, "I'll do it. I'll be able to do it." And you'll find yourself over the next few weeks doing things that you thought you had no confidence for. You had no courage for it. You had no enthusiasm for it. You had no ability for it. You just thought, man, I can't do it. Some of you, God has been telling you, hey, come on. You've been burying your head in the sand about something, about your past. You need to talk about it. You need to deal with it. You need to get some help. And you've just buried your head in the sand because you don't have the courage to face it. But you see, when your time has come, when the timing of God is right, 
you'll be able to do the impossible. Not because you have the strength for it. But God equips you to obey. How many of you are here today saying, God, there are things in my life that I need to obey. The instructions are there. It's clear. I've danced around it enough and it just keeps coming back. But I don't, I don't have the strength to do it. But I know something about my blessing is attached to obedience and I just don't have the strength to obey. It, it, I just can't do it. I feel God wants to give you the strength to follow through and obey what you're meant to obey. If you're here today and saying, I find obedience difficult because it means trusting God at great personal cost. I want to pray for you. Lift your hands if that's you. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that our time has come. And we pray in Jesus' name that every blessing that is linked to our obedience, for which we have no strength, for which we have no capacity, for which we have no energy, for which we have no enthusiasm, for which we have no initiative, for which we just don't have the courage. We'll dance around it, but we won't do it because we just know how much it's going to cost us. We pray in Jesus' name. Today, you will surprise us. You will surprise us today, right now. Why don't you ask God what that step is? What it is for you is going to be different to the person sitting next to you. Just speak to the Holy Spirit right now and say, Holy Spirit, what is my next step? Some of you already know what it is. Some of you, God is going to remind you because you've buried it so much in your past that you've even forgotten it exists but it's coming up again it's something that he's told you five years ago six years ago but it's here again it's here again it's here again come on give him your burdens whatever that is Whatever that is, roll it over to him. Tell him the one thing you want to do that you find difficult to do. How do you go bake a loaf of bread when you're about to die? You can't do that. That's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. That is why we believe in the gift of the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes into us to equip us to do the things that we cannot do ourselves. So, I want you to tell the Holy Spirit, say, Holy Spirit, help me and then fill in the blanks for yourself. Come on, talk to Him. Don't let this moment go by because some of it is just timing. Timing. You might... Don't miss this time. Don't, don't miss this moment. Give God your undivided focus, your time, your attention. It's timing. Tell Him, Holy Spirit, give me the strength to and fill in the blanks. Give me the boldness to fill in the blanks. Give me the courage to. Give me the initiative to. 
Help me to make a decision. Some of you, I just feel the Holy Spirit say this. Some of you just need to make a decision today. What is that decision? Tell, tell the Holy Spirit right now your decision. Holy Spirit, come. Help us to do what we cannot do. Help us to forgive the people we cannot forgive. Help us to decide what we cannot decide ourselves. Help us to follow through on things that we cannot follow through ourselves. Without your presence, Holy Spirit, without your help, we can't do it. This lady goes, starts cooking. Let's put that verse up, verse 13. And takes the bread, the oil. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go and do as you've said. First make me a little cake and bring it to me afterwards. Go and make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. And the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. She went and did as Elijah said. And she and he and her household (laughs) ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent. Neither did the jug of oil become empty. According to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. Here is my last prophetic declaration. My time is up. It's going to turn out better than you think. It's going to turn out better than you think. It's going to turn out better than you think. It is going to turn out better than you think. She said, there's one meal left. I'm going to die. That's the way she thought it was going to turn out. But how did it turn out? This is how it turned out. She went and did what Elijah said. She and he and her household ate for many days what did they eat bread this is why I know Jesus is anti-keto it's not not propagated in the Bible carbs was part of the miracle everybody say amen I love bread (laughs) and he and the household ate for many days the jar of flour was not spent neither did the jug of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord he spoke by Elijah. I want you to close your eyes and think about your future. And I want you to hear these words right now. It's going to be better than you think. It's going to turn out better than you think. It's going to turn out better than you think. It's going to turn out better than you think. It's going to turn out better than you think. You've got one meal left. I'm going to die. No, no, no. Your, your son's not going to die. It's not going to be the end. It's going to be better then you think, oh, but I don't have the faith for it. No, no, this is not about faith. This is about timing. Your time has come. Your time, the acceptable moment of the Lord, the favor of the Lord has come. Amber, can you come up? We'll sing, great are you, Lord. and We will lift up how great God is. But if you believe, if you believe, if you say, I don't have the faith for it, <laughs> I can't see it. I can't even I can't even picture it. But today I'm going to join my faith with the word of the Lord that says 
it's going to turn out better than I've imagined. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, neither has it entered into the mind of any human being. What God has prepared for them that love Him. You don't have faith, so the devil's laughing at you. You don't have faith, so your own conscience is, is pricking you. you. All you can see is death. But today, if you want to believe, you don't know how, you don't know when, you don't know why, you don't know through who, but you just want to release simple faith and say, God, I don't need to know and I don't want to know. I cannot figure this whole thing out. But today I'm going to believe that it's going to turn out better than I thought. Stand right now. Joe, if you can start leading that song. Great are you, Lord. Because we're going to lift up the greatness of God. It's going to turn out. Your marriage is going to turn out better than you thought. Your children are going to turn out okay. Your future is going to turn out okay. Everything about your future that you thought, this is the end. It's going to end. It's going to end. It's going to end. It's going to end. It's going to... This is not the end, says the Lord. This is... It is not going to result in calamity and danger and tragedy. It is going to turn out better than you thought. And like we said earlier, the best way to release our faith is through praise, is through worship. So Joe, lead us in this song. I want to encourage you to lead us. Lift your voices. Sing. Declare it. Give God your undivided time and your attention. Lift your hands if needed. Clap if needed. Kneel if needed. It's going to turn out better than you thought. It's going to turn out better than you thought. It's going to turn out better than you thought. It's going to turn out better than you thought. It's going to turn out better than you thought. Yeah, it will. 